This is a topic that's kind of dear to my heart. It's about dating, being married, wanting to date, wanting to be married. And I love this topic because it's one that just had my number as a single person. I could not get this figured out. And uh, being hard of learning, sometimes I would take the hard route, you know, to get where God wanted me to go. And one thing I think you'll find that we have in common with our speakers tonight is there's nobody up here uh, that's going to have it all together in this topic. Um, every one of us who speaks in, uh, you know, in this topic tonight has made mistakes and is really in process. And it's really God's kindness and His, His grace uh, that allows us to learn in this area. Um, last week, I think you guys were talking, Andy was talking about root and fruit, and, that, and that's been the pattern each week. And so it's been about the body of Christ, uh, us, his people. And so tonight, really, the fruit is us, or them, if you'd prefer to think of them as the fruit. And how do we relate to each other? And I'm not sure where you're at tonight, where you're coming from. You might have this thing handled. You might be in a relationship that you want to be in and are really excited or you might be petrified sitting on the sideline kind of looking over there at people doing that and wondering, how does that work? I'm sure it'll never happen for me. And so what we don't want to do when we approach this topic, we don't want to get this image in our mind. It's kind of a silly image. It's, our goal as a body isn't to present to God polite, well-mannered, good-looking couples who come with each other to church each Sunday. It's kind of this picture we get in our head. What we do want to do is look directly at Christ and be completely committed to Him and to His reputation and His glory so that every aspect of us is changed so deeply by His Spirit that people look at us and the way we relate to each other, guys and guys and guys and gals, and say, wow, that's amazing. What is it about you that is so different? And in that, we bring glory to God. So when that happens, when we put first him, uh, it's just amazing what, what can really happen in our community, in, in your relationships with each other. And if you've blown it, and if you're discouraged tonight, and you're feeling like, boy, I just, you know, I really don't have this figured out, welcome. God is gracious tonight. You know, he is gracious towards you. If you have a catalog of failure in your mind, and you're thinking, I just don't know what to do with this. I've just blown it so badly. Welcome. God is gracious to you tonight. So we're glad that you're here, whether you're having a really encouraging week, month, or year, or a very difficult one. But why don't we have the, the panel come on up, and I'll just introduce them as they're coming up. And then I think the first thing that we'll have them do is just uh, have them tell you what they're currently doing in Bozeman. Uh, we've got Brad and Cindy who are here on the end. We've got Tanner and Brooke following them up, and then Aaron and Jen following them, and Rebecca Sykes and uh, Beth as well. And Tom. Hi, Tom. <laughs> We're going to be on first name basis tonight. And we have some great questions, by the way. We have some really fun questions. Like if you're going to write a book on relationships, you could just take the questions you guys submitted and answer them, and you'd have a complete book because we got a lot to do tonight. <laughs> These are some good questions. And we're not going to embarrass anybody and put their name on it. Um, but Matt, where was Matt? We are going to answer your question, where do babies come from? So... <laughs> It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> He's excited. 
So why don't you just maybe get used to using your mic. And if you guys haven't ever been on a panel like this, it's a little frightening because it feels like Oprah, except I'm not Oprah. But when we get in front of lights, it feels a little awkward. Like you don't sit with your family around the table with this. In my house, at least. Maybe Brad does. But So it takes a little bit to get comfortable with the mic. So maybe let's just go down the line and you guys give your names and tell them what you're doing in Bozeman if you're working or going to school. Just kind of let them know who you are. Um, all right, my name's Tom. I am 23, born and raised in Bozeman, and I'm just working mostly here, taking one class, taking Greek at the Bible College. So. And you're a left-handed basketball player. Yeah, and Mike Holder. <laughs> I can't ever block it, because he shoots with the wrong hand. <laughs> uh, my name is Beth, and I came to college here in Bozeman 11 years ago, and I love it here, so I'm still here, and I work full-time, and I'm a part of the church however I can be. So. And I'm Rebecca, and I also came to school here, and I'm just working. So, yeah. Uh, my name's Aaron. I'm from Ohio. We, uh, my wife and I moved out west uh, a few years ago, and uh, I'm a full-time traveling salesman, so don't recommend that for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Jennifer. Um, like he said, Aaron's wife. Um, I am a mom. Stay at home. We'll get yeah, you guys, most of you know me, uh, except for those of you I met that are new tonight. My name's Tanner, and I'm fortunate enough to work here to serve on staff with Andy in the college ministry. And this is my beautiful fiance. I'm Brooke. Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we're doing this. We're they have an on-off switch we got to get figured out. This is why we're doing this. I pushed the button. <laughs> I'm Brad, and uh, I'm an engineer, and Cindy and I have been married for 25 years. I'm Cindy. I'm 50. Uh, I'm not. He's 52. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Well, I know some of you are anxious to get that question of Matt, so we will get moving so we can get to that. Um, as I said, none of us are superstars up here. We're just, just like you guys, working through issues, learning how to trust God. And so with that in mind, why don't I just open us in prayer and just ask him to guide this conversation tonight. God, we thank you that you have an agenda, that you have a plan, that you even have works that you've prepared beforehand that we'd walk in them. That's what we want to do tonight. Um, Thank you for fellowship and for friends, uh, so many in this room. I pray that you would change our hearts tonight in ways that we need to be changed, that you'd give us an openness to do that because we get guarded and sometimes we get afraid and we start getting into these areas. So just give us an openness and a honesty with you and with each other uh, so that in turn we would look more like you. Help us to remember what it is to be in you. When we're in you, we don't have to worry about anything the world brings. We don't have to worry about the accusations that Satan might bring about our guilt because you have handled that on the cross and that's a marvelous thing. So it's in that freedom tonight that we come, Lord, knowing that we've made mistakes and you've covered them. And we desperately need 
your forgiveness and your grace each day. And tonight I just pray that it's in that awareness that we would share our hearts even on the panel that you just give us a focus on you and your kindness that you'd be glorified tonight. Thank you, God, in Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to have a fairly open tonight. I told Tanner earlier and, and Andy if there's anything they want to interject in here, if there's a follow-up or something, it's going to be very open. So they're going to jump in and say, hey, what about this? So we're going to have fun with it. And we're going to have different questions for different people. Obviously, with this number of questions, we can't have everybody on the panel answer every question or be here till tomorrow morning. So... We're going to start out with maybe Brad and Cindy on these first couple just to get us rolling. Uh, what are some expectations you had of marriage going into it that turned out different once you got married? So maybe ways you were thinking as a single person and you got married went, wow, that's pretty different. First. Uh, just the main thing that I had, I had always been told that, oh, you'll be so happy, your husband will make you happy. And that was kind of an expectation I had, the poor guy, but I did. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it would be faster to say the expectations that I had of being married that were accurate. Um, because it really, it, it, you're, you're stepping into something that is so, so different that it's really hard to have a basis for an expectation that winds up being true. Because you're, you're in such close proximity to something. Being in a situation where um, you can't hide your flaws, uh, you can't hide who you are, you can't hide the fact that you're a sinner. And I don't say that to scare anyone away from being married, but it's just a very, it was far more uh, transparent circumstance than I imagined. I think, I think uh, for me, I think um, w when you're engaged and when you're newly married, y you've, you're kind of naive about how much you could hurt the other person, right? So you kind of lose sense of the idea. You're in this big infatuation stage, right? So everything's great, and you lose sight of the fact um, of how selfish you can be, right? And as eventually, those things start to surface, right? Uh, and that's kind of that big shocker, maybe after the first couple years where some of those things start to surface and it's like, whoa, oh yeah, I forgot, we're, we're sinners, right? We're going to have to talk about this, right, sort of thing. So um, it eventually comes full circle, who you really are, you know? Um, like he said, you can't, you can't hide it, right, um, if you're going to be transparent and honest. So, and as Christians, you're convicted, pretty convicted to be uh, transparent to your spouse, Anything you want to add to that? Okay. We're going to stay with the marriage just for a second. This is a good question. What characteristics stand out about your spouse that are attractive to you now, now that you're married, that is, that you maybe didn't notice when you were dating? Is there, is there ways that you appreciate each other now that you go, well, I, I didn't even see that when we were dating? Okay, I, I, I think um, for me, I see his faithfulness. I mean, it's been 25 years. I just see his faithfulness more and more to me, to um, my family, to his church. Just have had more opportunity to see his faithfulness. Um, 
and his love of God and of things of God that have increased as the years have gone on. And also he's very self-sacrificing and I don't think I saw all those things when we were dating. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is going well so far. Should we stop yeah. now? Wow. <laughs> There's other questions that I may not go as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I think for me, uh, just seeing Cindy's dedication and uh, a selflessness of doing things for the family, uh, I, I just had no, uh, when we were dating, I, guess, I don't know that I really could have seen that, but that's been something, what, what she was willing to do for me uh, and the sacrifices, the lengths to which she's willing to go to for the family, for our kids, uh, what she has set aside in many respects and in a, just a devotion to the family is so really impressive. So staying on that same note, what are the things that did draw you to each other when you were dating that you did notice? Do you remember those? He was tall. <laughs> Good job. I know, that's... But it, sorry, it's true. So the bar was low for her. <laughs> well, or high. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those rides on the amusement park, you know, if, if you're taller than this. Maybe. Anyway, um, I think for me there was a. Uh, Cindy saw things in a very black and white way uh, that I didn't. I, I had uh, through uh, you know, wandering away from. Uh, the Lord saw a lot of things as gray that really are not gray and according to scripture are not gray and one of the things that was uh, attractive about her was that she did see those things as black and white and try as I would to rationalize and justify and and come up with reasons that it was inescapable that I was wrong uh, and that uh, there was no amount of intellect or whatever that could could really justify where my head was and, and my heart was. So, so that was a very big thing. Just to ask, were you guys both walking with the Lord when you first got married? Is that where you were? Both I, I was a, I believe I was a Christian, but my, I, w I had wandered far. So as, as I've said to my own daughters, uh, I would not have approved of them dating someone like me. So, yeah. Okay, maybe we'll back up on a couple of those questions with you guys, too. Just expectations, things that you see now that you appreciate that you didn't think of when you were dating. Anything stick out to you there? <laughs> um, you certainly, I guess, have somewhat of an expectation that your spouse is going to be a good parent. I, I would think about that because that's pretty important. Um, but you don't really know how that's going to flesh out. And um, that's been just like an amazing blessing. We have a two-year-old daughter and another one on the way. And um, just seeing, um, yeah, Aaron is a dad. He's, he's just such a great dad. And I had a great dad, but I come from a divorced home. And there was um, a lot of, a lot of issues um, and so just the fact that the Lord blessed me that way, but it's not like I knew, you know, so. <laughs> Can I slide a quick one in here? Oh, yeah. Uh, money, right? I, I grew up, uh, my parents always, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Parents always argued about uh, finances, which is one of the top arguments, right, among uh, or top reasons for divorce. 
uh, actually. Um, but, um, uh, so I grew up unsaved until I was 20, let's see, it was 20, 23. Uh, and I always just automatically assume that the women were the ones that have, have the problems when you put money in their hands, right? And uh, Jennifer and I were supposed to read a book, uh, a financial book that somehow we skipped in our counseling. I don't know how, but uh, uh, so we never discussed it. And um, uh, lo and behold, I I I'm the problem when it comes to finances, right? And my wife, you'll give her, one day she came home with like seven cashmere sweaters for, how much money did you spend? Anyway, she wants something, she prays about it, and it, and it turns up a few months later. Just really faithful with finances, trusting in God. And uh, that was, to me, I look at that and I'm like, wow, because what if she was like me, right? Um, we'd have serious problems, and I, I think um, just God's grace, right? Just kind of ducked out on that one, so, or lucked out on that one. Good. All right, we're going to go to the singles with a question here. First one, how do you leave, live a godly single life without possibly completely dismissing marriage or go to the reverse, dwell too much on the possible future or desire of marriage? So is that something you guys struggle with, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Through that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it can, be in, can be a struggle, but uh, I, I guess the way to deal with that from from how I understand it is to not like just not be anxious um, and invest in you know your friends in the body in the lives of unbelievers your church um, take time to prepare um, for marriage if that's gonna be there in the future and apart from that like don't stress about it so much um, I've done my share of freaking out and worrying and stuff and it's just like doesn't doesn't add an hour to anything and so you know as as much as you're able give those things to God and invest in yeah the people around you like I said your church your unsaved friends your family like those are yeah that's what I would do good Beth Rebecca you want to tackle that one too I would love to um, I think kind of just an agreement. I think all of life, no matter what our situation, is realizing that God has us there for a reason. And obviously, he has designed us for marriage in a way. We desire that companionship. But um, as I go through life, I am always thankful for where God has me because eventually I see what he's teaching me. And God has his perfect plan. And so I think just being content where he has me is the key. Because when I worry about the future one way or another, I'm not trusting God. So I think just kind of to agree is just in trusting the Lord. He has you there for a reason. And how can you serve? You know, building good friendships, relationships, being a part of your church. It's all really valuable. I really enjoy being a single person. I would just kind of agree with what both of you said. I think that's really good. And um, two, just realizing that whether you're single or whether you're married, that's a circumstance that God has you in. And like you guys have been saying, learning to be content where you are and serve God right where you're at. So, yeah. 
Tanner and Brooke, do you want to weigh in on that one as well? I know you guys are shifting gears now that you're planning to be married. And how many days, Tanner? Seven tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, got the hours down or not tonight? Under eight, yeah. It was, uh, <clears throat> it's eight today, but at two o'clock today, it would have gone under eight, so now seven. <laughs> he's kind of excited. So if, if he's not really with us tonight, you'll understand his brain. I'm all here. Okay. <laughs> How have you dealt with being single? Has it been a struggle, Tanner? Or you have... Yeah, I certainly can't speak for every single, but I know in this respect, I think it's different for men and women, at least in some degree, because uh, if I can say it this way, there's an advantage to being a man and that you can be the pursuer, biblically. You can go and... Um, you have the responsibility to, if you're interested in a gal, pray for her and pray um, that you'd be making yourself ready. And then you begin to watch and learn and, and talk to other men around you. And so you can be the initiator there. And <clears throat> so me, when I was a single man, that wasn't so much, uh, it was more of me being immature. And um, this certainly isn't, and I'd, I'd don't dare make a broad brush statement here, but for me, it was me being immature and not taking those steps of preparing myself and, and pursuing Brooke. Um, but I know for a woman, it's different, and Brooke can speak into that more because there's, uh, for a man, you have to be mature enough to be willing to be turned down if, you're, um, if you go after a gal and, and it ends up that way. It was hard for me uh, sometimes in college. I wanted to, uh, often I wanted to be in the relationships for wrong reasons, to protect myself or... Um, because I want somebody to spend more time with or because I wanted a, a best friend or those kinds of things. So those were some of the struggles I went through, but I think it's different for women in that respect. I think just like exactly what you guys are saying, just as women learning patience, that was something that was very difficult for me. And being more concerned with being Christ-like in how I grow as opposed to being the woman that God has called me to be as opposed to finding the man that he wants me to be with, I guess. I was a lot more concise, but that's what I meant. <laughs> that's why we get married. <laughs> we figure out how to talk. Yeah, Brooke, you, you waited for a while for Tanner, right? I mean, he, he didn't really see it right away. You apparently did. Was that hard, just waiting during no, that time? Because, no. I mean, a year, ago at this, a year ago at this time, there nothing, right? You didn't yeah. think it was going anywhere. Yeah, no, very true. It was very difficult, but it was very much worth it. And I'm very thankful for that because, as we've talked about, it makes the end result way more sweet because it was hard in the beginning. Some of the things that Tanner mentioned to me just earlier this year that he's appreciated about how you handled that is when he wasn't sure, when he was praying about it, seeking God, you didn't manipulate. You know, you, were, you weren't trying to connive and you know, get him to come along, anything like that. And he really appreciated that patience. So that's just a little extra I thought I'd throw in. Yeah. Another one for the singles. How do you how do you deal with purity? How do you protect your imagination, your thoughts? A different situation now that you're just about married, getting closer. Maybe I'll just have two of you grab this one. Anybody want to take this one? Things that you do proactively as singles to protect your purity. Take it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're good. Um, I think. To go on on the offensive uh, is a is an important uh, mindset or attitude. Um, 
just speaking for myself and for a lot of guys, like that is, that's an area where, you know, we just need to have a seriousness and continue to fight through the stage, you know, I'm in through into future stages from all that I've learned and heard from other guys. So forming good habits and just inviting the Lord to be in that part of your life um, and not compartmentalizing it, um, confessing sin, moving forward, forsaking sin, like those are not fun steps. And we need to, I guess, form those habits like as young guys um, and just continue to grow and be transformed. Um, so yeah, purity is, uh, it's, it's an extremely important area. And I think to have an offensive mindset to not sort of just wait until, you know, temptation comes, but to be active, to set your mind on the things that are above and, uh, yeah, just to realize, you know, if, if that's you, Hey, I, I need to prepare. I need to guard in this area. I can't just, I can't just sit here and be normal, be Tom. Um, and so to go on the offensive and kill sin in whatever way, you know, you can, or that God is speaking to you through, through the word, through other people, you know, be aware of that and get after it. Does it change when you're engaged? Anything you do differently now that you're engaged? I think I'll talk about the physical when we come to that, but since you asked the question, what do you do in your mind? Um, there's things that we've done as, I guess we're single on this side of marriage. Um, scripture tells us to take every thought captive and it can just be easy to let your mind play and get ahead. And, but God tells us to take a thought captive. And so when we see that thought, when we approach that thought, uh, we take that thought captive and then we try to be real accountable to each other about washing our mind in the word daily. Um, when we're dwelling on the high thoughts of scripture, it's, it's harder to go to the, to the ignoble things, to the impure things. And uh, so we've memorized scripture, we've washed our mind with that. Uh, we've, one of the things I think, you know, we're talking about the mind here, <clears throat> but we're obviously a whole person. We can't par part and parcel out everything. And so part of keeping the mind pure is staying physically pure. And I think we'll talk about that more later. But, and then verbally, we just don't talk about things um, that are meant for the marriage bed. God tells us to keep the marriage bed pure and undefiled. And so part of keeping our minds pure has been keeping our bodies pure and our mouths pure too. Is that fair to say? Do you have anything to add to that? I would just say as women, it's super important for us to be modest and just helping guys out. It's one of the biggest things we can do for guys to just be, yeah, cover yourselves. It helps <laughs> so much. Talked about that a lot. So, yeah. It's okay if I should. <laughs> guys, did you see what just happened there? Did you see the way he asked her if it was okay first? <laughs> You might, if you've got a piece of paper, write that one down. <laughs> if you do that, that's a really wise thing to do before you talk. As a qu real quick story. Brooke has been such a demonstration of that in my life, and I so appreciate that. And women, if you want uh, to be attractive to a guy, wear modest clothing. If you want to attract a godly guy, uh, there was one time 
where I was over at her house when we were visiting, she was wearing shorts and they were not um, by the world standard of modest shorts, but I just said, hey, Brooke, would you mind putting on a, a different pair of shorts? And she said, oh, no problem. And she went upstairs and um, worn those hasn't put on those shorts since. And uh, <laughs> that's just a way for her to honor me and to serve me as a woman. I really appreciate that. I won't forget that anytime soon. I'll... Good. Just open it up. Anybody want to weigh in on this topic while we're still on it. Andy, is there anything coming to your mind on this topic before we move on? Anything you want to hit here? Yeah. I just wanted to add to the modesty thing. I kind of had to take, and, and I just wanted to say this because maybe it's the same for some of you, I had to take other women's word for how important it was. Like, you know, uh, here we have another talk on modesty. Um, and it's, I think it's hard in our culture. Um, sometimes we can be immodest without even having like the int intention of attracting that kind of attention, but, um, it is really important. And I learned, I just, things kind of clicked after I got married and then you start noticing other women who, man, I wish she wasn't dressed that way. My husband's here, <laughs> you know, but, um. Yeah, it's just take wiser and older women's word for it. If it if it doesn't always make sense, maybe it does. It didn't always for me, but all right. Maybe for the married couples, we'll go to this one, or actually even engaged. You guys can talk about this. How did you How did you address when you got married past mistakes, things that you know as a person you go, wow, that was dumb. Didn't, maybe you didn't know the Lord previous to that or weren't walking close. How did you handle that in your relationship? You want to start with you guys? Was that something that was a struggle, or did you do that right away or learn that over a long period of time? Well, you know, I would say it's kind of, I, I, was, I was a pretty new Christian, right? So it was clear that. <laughs> all my problems or past issues, you know, and things that I did were um, erased, right, by God's grace. And I think for that reason, too, I was very comfortable about sharing those things with Jennifer. It was easy. I was newly saved. I understood that uh, the old Aaron was, was dead and gone. So um, I didn't really put it that way. I didn't have much baggage in my Christian life. It was more a lot of baggage in my uh, pre-saved life that obviously would have a tendency to surface if I wasn't careful, right? Um, and that's where it became important to, to share with Jennifer. Um, you know, not every little detail, right? But what's necessary, right? So she knows and has the knowledge to know to where, okay, Aaron is going to have to be careful about this, or this is something that I'm going to have to keep an eye on, right? Um, so just, again, that whole uh, transparency, but again, I was I was very fortunate in that I was a I was a new believer, and it was kind of an exciting thing for me to talk about in the sense that my past life was meaningless, and um, and she understood that and was thankful for that too. Good. You guys want to add anything on that? We had kind of an interesting. Uh, engagement in that we were like on opposite coasts for about six months, not clear on the coast, but Cindy was in Pennsylvania and I was in California. 
And so I had a lot of time, because I didn't really run around with the people that I had ran around with uh, when I was single. Um, and so I had a lot of time listening to uh, Christian messages and things, just a lot of time by myself, a lot of time to really uh, contemplate uh, what marriage meant. And one of the things that really stood out to me was the, the, the whole concept of being one in one flesh. And when I was single, I was into photography and I, I had a lot of pictures through my whole life from as soon as I could hold a camera all the way up. And, and I had a lot of pictures of friends and things. And one of the things that I did uh, along the lines of looking forward to being one was I, I went through, and th maybe this sounds silly to some of you, but I went through every picture that I had, every slide, every photograph, and any, any image that I had of any girl that I'd ever been interested in or dated, I, th I threw them all away. And I, I just didn't want, looking forward to a life with my wife, I didn't want any image from the past uh, to, to be an issue, to, to be a distraction for me. Uh, and, and I prayed that God would remove uh, memories uh, that, that I wanted my mind to be filled with memories of times with my wife and, and that there would be no room for memories of times that I had dated anyone before that. And God really honored that. Uh, he honored, uh, God will honor effort that you make uh, in relationships in ways that, that is really amazing. Have anything to add to that as far as how, how do you deal with your past or mistakes or maybe other guys that you knew or other gals that Tanner knew? How have you guys dealt with that whole topic? Well, Brooke had been walking with the Lord from a from a young age and had done a tremendous job protecting herself and uh, and so had her family. But I didn't get saved until I was in college, and so I did have some baggage to deal with. And uh, I always thought, especially as a young man, that I just needed to spill my guts and. Uh, as I talked to Brooke Moore and we talked about that, we decided that that wasn't best, that we would talk about um, things, but there was no need to be specific about circumstances or things or uh, bring up things that might be hurtful or those kinds of things. And Brooke was so gracious and patient and uh, kind as we sought to sit down and talk about those things. Um, so I'd always thought, hey, you just need to be point blank, but. Um, I don't think that's always, in fact, I know that's not always best. And uh, I, I would agree just real quickly with what Brad said. I, I remember when I was in college, I sat in on a Bible study of leaders one time as a young believer. And I, I remember listening to married men um, say very blunt things about how their past had affected them. And I left there that night with my, uh, one of my best friends who's not around here anymore, but we talked on the way back to the dorm, and we just said, from this night forward, we're going to begin to pray that God would remove things from our past. And he was so faithful to do that, uh, to remove thoughts, to remove images, to remove past things. I made a list of, of folks that I needed to apologize to, went through that list, got rid of it, and God was so faithful in helping me deal with those things. So God is gracious, and um, I tell people often, uh, do I have scars? Yes, but they're scars now. They're not scabs or open wounds. Those scars serve as reminders of me to warn other people. 
and to encourage them that God can be gracious, but there is consequences. That sounds like a really healthy way to come full circle with your sin. And, and anybody who's done counseling or talked to couples who've been married has probably come across someone who wasn't quite honest with their spouse when they got married or, or didn't apologize to people before. And so there's this baggage going in that'll come out 30 years later. And it, it comes out in, in amazing ways you'd never expect. You think, wow, that should have been dealt with back here. They should have levity by now. And because they didn't do what Tanner just talked about, you know, just, just obeying God, confessing sin, repenting, being honest with people we've hurt. Um, what, a, what a gracious God we have that lets us start over. You know, but sometimes we don't take advantage of that, all that grace that he offers and we hold on to that stuff just in our pride. So that's probably something we can each pray for each other that we'll have the humility to come full circle just like Tanner just talked about. Do you want to add something Yeah, to I was that? just going to add, um, uh, you know, we live in the age of social media, right? And it's very uh, powerful. And the first time I got a Facebook page uh, was shortly after I became a Christian, right? Well, you've been unsaved for 23 years. You start a Facebook page, who's going to surface on it, right? Uh, And today, Jennifer and I have a joint Facebook page, right? Because I really, quite frankly, got tired of getting on there and just my past, right? And everybody that wanted to be your friend, you kind of look and be like, oh, I remember, oh, okay, (laughs) that guy and this and that. And it's just really bad news. And it was really a sad thing to think, but I had the best choice was to shut it down. And, um, you know, at the age I'm getting, and I have friends that are married, I have some friends that are struggling in their marriage, and, um, you know, you hear of these guys, right? Facebook page, whatever it is, and next thing you know it, they're talking to, they're married, and they're talking to a girlfriend from high school, right? So um, I think this social media thing is something that uh, should be taken very seriously, very seriously. Just stay with the married couples just for a second. What are things you continue to do to build the romance in your relationship, to continue to work? And, and both married couples up here have had kids, so you know that <laughs> that, that makes that more challenging. Uh, Brad and Cindy, what are things that you still do by decision to build that relationship? Uh, I, I think uh, communication is very... Uh, key. Uh, it, it, it takes a lot of, uh, of conversation to really, even when you've been married 25 years, to really, uh, you know, really share your thoughts and, and share your heart. And, uh, and I, I know for me, the, uh, just the, the romance side of it, you hear so many people say, uh, from the world's perspective, you know, the, uh, so many jokes about marriage and so many uh, things about you know referring to your spouse as the ball and chain and things that are just so they break my heart because they don't need to be that way uh, it does not need to be that way and and just as a man um, the, the the things that I can do to keep romance in in our relationship I mean for me just even taking every thought captive along the lines of controlling what I think. Because if, if I walk into a room uh, that's crowded, uh, there's a whole bunch of people there, the first person I'm looking for is my wife. And it, I mean, it's, it's uh, for me, in my heart, it's like when we were dating. Because I'm, I'm looking around the people that are in the room to see where she is. And I want to see her. 
And, and that starts off as a small choice for me. Uh, you initiate that, but it, it just feeds itself. And uh, it, it does, just like so many things, God honors a little effort that you put forth in a direction that's pleasing to him in ways that are just astounding. And uh, I just can't get enough of her. I mean, don't know how else to say it. We were laughing when you said that because it's changed a lot since we had a baby. <laughs> and um, we don't have a lot of family here, so there's a lot of date nights in. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's about 100 babysitters here. You guys are in a good room. Um, but I know one thing that you can do to make your relationship awesome is being interested in what the other person's interested in. And that was really um, important when we were dating. In some ways, we're alike, but we're pretty different, too. <laughs> and, um, and then keeping that up as we got after we got married, um, trying to do the same activities and watch each other's movies and, you know, not complain about who you married and what they like, but take part in it. So, Do you guys like the same kind of movies? Aaron, Aaron's got pretty good taste for a guy, so... <laughs> um. I'll just add to that because I really think going back to how you started this thing and you, you said it a couple times that, you know, which is good. Thanks for setting it up this way. But, you know, everybody coming up here, none of them are perfect. They don't have it figured out. And, and I'll just tell you, I, you I'm failing this one because uh, it's, it's one of those things that have caught, has caught me off guard because you have a baby and you think things are just going to keep rolling forward. Um, men, Tanner. Um, I, now I've got a now I have a calendar on the wall, right? It gets to this point, right, <laughs> to where it's like, if I'm going to do the right thing, keep the relationship growing, I've gotten to a point which, again, I never thought of, and that is, you know, you're like, you've got to plan the date, or it doesn't happen, right? And I'm getting a little bit better, but I have a long way to go. But um, I do think you have to get disciplined, and as kind of the seasons of life change, right? You, you have to start looking ahead and planning, and it's really important. Hmm. You know, that just brings up another question I want to ask Brad, too, and, and you can weigh in on this as well. There's a big difference in how guys and gals approach everything. <laughs> Sometimes you don't realize it until you're married. One of the things with guys is it seems like we're very physical-oriented there's this kind of conquest thing that we have. It, sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's hunting, sometimes it's fishing. It could be a hobby where we get those, you know, adrenaline going. And that can be a big struggle in a relationship. I'm just curious if that's something you guys struggled with early on or continue to struggle with and how, how you've dealt with that as a leader in your home, still protecting your marriage, uh, if that's been an issue at all. Um. I've managed to stay involved in some things where I can just 
scare myself significantly. You know, I, I don't ski a lot, but when I do ski, if I, you know, if I need to get rid of some adrenaline, I can manage to go fast enough that you know, <laughs> I'm on that ragged edge of control, and and that that works. Um, but it, but it, there's also been things that were really attractive to me, kind of as hobbies. Uh, and I, I think being married, we need to take the, the purpose of marriage from God's perspective and, and the one flesh, one entity nature of the relationship seriously. And, uh, and it can involve sacrifice. And uh, I, I sound like a broken record here. God honors things that we do to try to please him. And you guys, if you have a hobby or something uh, that you sacrifice for your wife, uh, God will honor that in ways that is, is astounding. Uh, the, the one that we kind of laugh about sometimes is kayaking. We, uh, after we were married, we took a kayaking class together, and, uh, and I absolutely loved it. And uh, Cindy, the WSI lifeguard water person, hated it. Like having her legs like tied up in this thing made her feel like claustrophobic. It's like if you swim, if you're in the water, you're supposed to use your legs, right? Not in a kayak. So um, I, I absolutely loved the sport. And, and we, we had friends that were in it, so I could have done it all the time. But what became apparent was that I loved it. She hated it. If I pursued it, it was going to mean something that we wouldn't do together, going in an opposite direction. And to me, to say, well, I'm just, that's something I'm not going to do, was fine. Um, and, I, and I think, as I say, God, God honors, uh, especially when we sacrifice. I mean, if you want a yardstick for love, look at how much you're willing to sacrifice. And I mean, using that as a yardstick, giving up kayaking isn't... <laughs> much of a sacrifice, but, but I, I, think, uh, I think pursuing uh, the, the one entity, the one flesh relationship is, a, is something we should take seriously. You want to say, add anything to that? Yes. I asked my wife to go mountain biking. Um, <laughs> um, you're going to see that, right? We're going to do some riding this summer. You're going to hear me. You're going to call me, right? And I'm going to be like, I got to check with Jen. I'll get back to you. <laughs> and um, what's really cool about that, right? Because all the guys I mountain bike with now, right? Four or five guys, they don't know the Lord, right? And I tell you what, it's been a, a great witnessing opportunity, right? It's, they're used to the talk show, right? Or the, or the sitcom, I mean, on TV where... The guy does what he wants, and when his wife doesn't want to, he still does it, and it's supposed to be funny, right? And one of the things I've noticed in the last year, um, because I really do, um, our time together is precious, and, and I always ask, and sometimes, um, and she's very honest, right? And uh, she'll say, well, think about that for a second, and it's kind of like, you know what, you're right, okay, I shouldn't have even asked, right? But the point is, too, is that something that we should be proud of as men, right? I, I've called up other guys and I've said, look, um, I, talk to Jen, it's not going to work, right? And I'll, 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 just being a guy, it can be a little uncomfortable at first, but then when witnessing opportunities come up, they like recognize you as something 
uh, unique and, and in a sense special, right? They're noticing those things, which open up doors to talk about the Lord. So I guess that's just being faithful to that one flesh relationship is uh, a witnessing opportunity in so many ways. I'll just have one for Tanner here. Um, is there such a thing as love as first sight? Give us your thoughts on that. It's a common question you get in the office, right? You and Andy get that one. It, it really, I know, uh, probably doesn't sound silly because it comes up a lot. Uh, is there such thing as love at first sight? And I would say uh, we need to watch how we define love. Uh, the idea of being in love. For example, Brooke and I are sitting on stage tonight and we're holding hands. We're excited to get married. Um, for the first time, when I asked her to marry me, I told her that I loved her. But it took a long time. And because we sit on stage and hold hands and um, are excited about marriage, you might think that our love is through the roof, but it's so much more infantile and young and immature than Brad and Cindy's and Aaron and Jen's. And so the idea of love at first sight, <laughs> um, I think we've taken that word love, which is uh, rich with meaning and sacrifice and, uh, and submission and service and substituted it for, I really like the way that person looks and our eyes met across the dance floor kind of deal. And uh, no, <laughs> so not in that sense. Love is a, you're not, we talk about this, when we're not in love, you choose consciously to love and to care and to sacrifice. And we don't even know what that looks like compared to these other couples. We're learning by God's grace, but we'll continue to learn. So can you be, is there such a thing at love at first sight? Uh, no, I don't think that, if we look at love biblically, there is. Can you see someone for the first time, want to pursue them, be interested in them, get to know them, uh, choose to love them and to serve them for the rest of your life? You bet, but uh, not at first sight. Good. This is a good question, and I'm sure that a lot of you gals have wondered this. How do we girls get to know the guys at church or cross life without making it feel like the women are doing the pursuing? What does that look like? Are you supposed to be on the separate sides of the room? Is it okay to go up and introduce yourself? Drop your phone number? <laughs> Skype? What's okay? But, uh, Beth and Rebecca, I mean, you have relationships with guys. Uh, uh, this question was not on the email list. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to keep it fresh. I'm trying to keep you guys awake. Well, how do you relate to guys? What's a, what's a healthy relationship look like? Obviously, you know some guys that are good guys in here, and yeah, I think you just we we need to see people as as people. God made them, and so be friendly. Um, and sometimes, if you're a more shy person or more outgoing person, that maybe looks different. But um, yeah, I I think that you can be friendly towards people, but. You do have to be careful, I think, about think about the other person. And um, I guess if you can read them to some extent, if you're freaking them out, then maybe back off. Or, I don't know, but I mean, just... <laughs> how, do, how do you know? That's what everybody's thinking right now. How do you know if you're freaking him out? <laughs> he looks okay, but then he never talked to me again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we just need to see people as as brothers and sisters in Christ first and foremost, or, or else as someone that God has made and not, not as a possibility, 
I guess, and that's a good place to start. I would just say, and I'm sure you've all heard this, but it's also kind of as Tanner alluded to and Brooke, it's a great opportunity for us to trust the Lord um, and not, like we trust the Lord to provide that and to work in the heart of that man to pursue us if that is God's desire. And so while we won't hide in the closet because then we'd never meet him, um, you still you still trust the Lord in that way. It's another area of our life that we give to the Lord and we can pray about it. And obviously in a very practical sense, come to cross life, you know, hang out, be involved in church and Sunday school and play games and whatever. There's lots of opportunities for interaction, but I think as women, it's a great opportunity to learn to trust the Lord. Tom, I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts on this to the gals in here who are going, hey, how, what is a, a good way that we can you know, communicate with him without necessarily making him feel like he's being chased or in an unhealthy way. Give a guy's perspective on that. Um, okay. Well, for me personally, I do, I would not I would not feel that way. Um, Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, We're here I mean, to help. Well, what's that? We're here to help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think honestly, for for guys and and for girls, but yeah, for girls, if you're an outgoing personality and you want to meet somebody um, or say hello or get to know somebody like I, I don't know, for me, I don't take that as, that's not my first thought of like, are you pursuing me? You know? Um, and <laughs> it might so, be the opposite actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I think, yeah, um, especially in this time here amongst the body with friends, um, I, I hope that I can continue to like get to know more people that I'm sitting with or that I'm meeting and stuff like that. And um, yes, if it's like, you know, you've been getting to know somebody more and you're thinking about them and you're praying about it and you want to pursue them, like that's, as a guy, like that's great, that's cool. Um, but like, I don't, I don't take that of like meeting new people here as, as like, okay, what did that, what did that mean type of thing? I don't know. Yeah. That's me. Um, yeah. So couple extremes we can go on right you can you can go too too fast too much and scare someone away or you can stay in your room forever <laughs> in a very protected place and it can be guys or gals with that right I, is laura skillman here tonight she was sitting right here here over there <laughs> right there what did she tell you It's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I've always liked that because she, she was just honest and vulnerable. And didn't she say something like if you ever wanted to ask her out, she would say yes? Isn't that what it was? I thought that's what she said. Some, somebody else asked, one of my good friends asked if he could sit by her. And she said no, but Jonathan can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's hardcore, but that works, right? <laughs> I didn't feel like that was the beginning of the relationship. It would, I, I actually initiated the relationship later on, but it was obvious that, that uh, if, you know, I'm available if, if you want to be here, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like after that uncomfortable or, or pursued. I mean, I was kind of interested in somebody else. 
<laughs> I've always appreciated that example because I think we get this in our mind what courting looks like, you know, and the proper way to do things. No, you could never do this, but you can be honest. It's really okay. You know, and I just appreciated Laura's honesty with him. I mean, she made herself vulnerable. I, I don't struggle with that. I'm curious, Tanner, what is, what's your thought on that? Are you okay with that kind of a. I mean, Brooke had let you know, right, that she had interest, I think, before your heart was into it. Is that right? Yeah. I'd have her comment on this more because I think I, I appreciate the way Brooke did it so much. And we talked about, um, we've talked about this in ways that women can uh, make it obvious that they're available without being too bold or open. But Brooke said one time, uh, we're sitting in at Rosars, and she said, well, she's the example where Ruth put herself and made herself available and she put him herself in like circumstances and surroundings, even like the gal said. And so she, she made herself visible. She was around. She was at the same kind of things I was, but she wasn't like, um, she wasn't following me around the room at all she, either. She wasn't, she wasn't she was, stalking you? No. And that's the thing is she did it so, um, she did it so carefully. And I didn't, it didn't bother me. Uh, everybody's different. I, I really appreciated the way Brooke did it because she, she made it obvious that she was available that she was interested, but she did not push uh, the subject at all. And so I, I appreciate that. Anything to add to that? <laughs> I think just going along with that, it's easy for us as girls to kind of rank guys. So I would really caution you guys against doing that. And just really, I think like you guys mentioned, being friends, but not like they're totally not a possibility there. Maybe, I don't know, I could be interested, you know, and just really thinking of them as brothers in Christ and not... Yeah, potentials, I think. And just like Tanner said, being available. Um, yeah, not hiding in the closet. <laughs> Tanner, I want to stay with you just on this one more question because we talked about this earlier. But would you share just a little bit how you involved your parents and her parents in this process, what that looked like? I just think it was exemplary the way you've handled it. Yeah. Um. Well, Glade, would you like to come? <laughs> Brick's mother is here tonight for uh, the wedding, and so she might be a better one to ask on this than me. Um, how you involve parents, and this was a question that was asked, how do you involve parents, especially if they're not around? So how you involve your parents in high school is obviously different than when you're at college because oftentimes they're not in the same place. And if someone's in high school, I would, I would tell them, uh, that young man, and everyone's different here, but I would encourage that young man to talk to her father and to get to... Um, to know the family, and not necessarily first, but if you're farther away, Brooke and I already knew each other. And uh, <clears throat> my dad has not been a believer for super long, but he's a guy that I really, really respect. And so I sought to always keep him ahead in the relationship. And so he was the first person uh, who knew I was really interested in Brooke and was going to um, begin to pursue her. He was the first person that... Uh, knew that I was going to ask for Brooke's hand in marriage. Um, <clears throat> Brooke's dad passed away six, five years ago. And uh, I let dad know. I said, dad, I'm, when I go down to Tennessee, I'm going to ask for Brooke's hand. I'm going to talk to uh, Gladine and her mom about it. And so uh, just to bounce things off of dad, even if our views on it weren't exactly aligning. And then I was trying to kind of keep... <laughs> If you want to know more, we'll talk later. We had a funny set of <laughs> texts and different things with Glade and I trying to line out a 
time to meet without Brooke knowing and those kinds of things. But just honoring your, your father and your mother by keeping them in the loop, I think even if they're not believers, you can let them know what you're doing. I think it's even a good witness to them. Uh, yeah, hope that answers the question. Okay. Glade, what do you think? <laughs> Teasing. Did he do a good job? Yeah. Good. There's some really good ones in here. Um, should Americans French kiss since it's French? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> Does anyone want to tackle that question? Only married Americans. <laughs> did that answer your question, whoever that was? Matt, was that, did that make sense? Okay. <laughs> What's the best pickup line you've ever heard? Nobody? You guys had no pickup lines. Sorry. Our panel isn't that creative. You, you just submitted your resume and that was good enough. <laughs> My wife had me at Hey Four Eyes. <laughs> Brooke likes cheesy humor and so we have a lot of fun doing stuff like that leaving sticky notes with <coughs> dumb sayings on them and stuff like that did but you want, do you want to share some not think they're as funny as we did <laughs> well, what would be a good transition here How do you know you're ready to start that process? You know, a lot of guys I've talked to are much more patient uh, these days than I was when I was in college. I've talked to some of you, and I'm always impressed with your maturity because I'll say, so, you notice anybody in the group? And you'll tell me something like, well, I thought I'd wait until I'm done graduated and get a job, and then I'd start looking. And I just I always think, that's never really a choice for me. <laughs> you know, that, that didn't enter my mind. I was just, I had a target, and I was always looking. So I really appreciate you guys' self-control, which is a lot more mature than mine was at the time. But I'm curious for you married couples now, just advice to the guys, if they see a gal, they're in college, would you recommend that they start that relationship and even consider marriage while they're in school? Or would you recommend, no, don't even start that process until after they're done with college? Give us your take. Probably get a wide variety of opinions on this one. Yeah, I think that's something that's definitely between you and the Lord. You know, I think... Um, one of the first conversations Jennifer and I had as friends, I mean, I made comments about not being interested in being in a relationship anytime soon, right? I went to lunch with her, and the next day, after a five-hour conversation, I was, like, ready to get hitched, right? <laughs> so um, I think the important thing is, is no matter what, one thing that was interesting about where I was at before the Lord brought her into my life is um, I was living for the Lord, right? I wasn't perfect, but I was really uh, content, right? And just excited um, just to live for the Lord, share the gospel, that sort of thing. So I don't know if the Lord, you know, had me get to that point first for a reason, but I do think uh, that it's definitely important to be content, right? And, and to be um, experiencing the joy of the Christian life, you know, before, because I think we've all 
either been there ourselves or have met people where it seems like the marriage is going to bring me the the joy, right? And that's a that's a worldly philosophy, right? So Brad, did you have anything you want to add, or Cindy, anything on that? What would you tell a young couple if they're thinking of starting the process as sophomores in college? You, you fine with that? Is that a good thing? Um, How old is your uh, daughter? Which one? You haven't no, been there, you haven't uh, 16 and 20. Okay, and they're in the room tonight? Either uh, one? one is. <laughs> so you have to be really careful with your answer here. Uh, I would say that my philosophy is different than any other woman in my house, so... Maybe you should be talking to them, but I, I think uh, it's not a bad thing. It's a scriptural thing to make plans and be disciplined. Um, but uh, God's timing is not necessarily at odds with our timing, but it also may not be our timing at all. So to have a plan in your own mind and say, I'm going to stick to this plan no matter what is... Uh, does not make a whole lot of sense when you consider a sovereign God who creates matter with his thoughts. You know, so. have, have any of you heard Pastor Brian's answer to this question? He's been asked before, do you ever regret getting married? I think he was a sophomore or junior when he and Bev got married. Have you heard that answer that he gives? He says, well, yeah, I did actually regret it sometimes. I sometimes wish that I got married earlier. And he's sincere. He loved it. He loved going to school and being married, and that was okay. And uh, there's at least one person in the room right now that's having a party in their head, right? Because you're thinking, yes, finally, it's okay. <laughs> it's like when my roommate told me, it's okay if you take a semester off. I was like, really? <laughs> I am so over school. <laughs> I was so excited to hear God could still love me outside of college. Uh, and I'm in the wrong place to say that tonight, aren't I? <laughs> Andy, Andy, do you give advice on that specific question? I might pull you in on this one as far as, uh, the, are they ready? The age that they're ready or the financial position? Hey, can I support a woman being married? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think of two things. I think of children are a gift from the Lord, and that a wife is God's grace to a man. And I, I see that uh, the Lord has good things to offer us through children and family and marriage and in our culture we put off the good things of the lord because of cultural expectations for school hmm. and if you don't get that marriage is about sacrifice then you might not be ready for marriage but um it might be good to maybe add another year or two on to school so that it is better not to burn with it's better to be married than to burn with passion. It'd be better if you got married than you slipped into sin. And it is better. Um, so, yeah, there's just a couple of things that, that hmm. popped into my mind right away. Is Jen and I, we, we put off, uh, I'll, I'll use the kid illustration. We thought five years. We popped five years in our head. And um, I don't know why. But we thought we're, we're going to travel. We're going to do these things. And the second Rhett was born, I knew I was being selfish. I was like, why did I put off that? It's a good thing. It's because I wanted what I wanted. And I would say it's the same exact thing for marriage. And what we're seeing in our culture is what? Marriage gets pushed to, to what? It was in the late teens, now the 20s, 
now into the 30s, and we're, we're holding off the good things. And as a consequence, we're burning with passion, and we're slipping into sin. Maybe it's because we're rejecting the good things from the Lord. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. That's really good. And just guys, just so you know, they, a wife is actually better than a video game. Just in case that's kind of dominating your time and you're going through that normal male struggle of how do I, what's that? <laughs> you need that. Yeah, in case you're thinking that the video game is a little more fun and it's kind of hard to learn to communicate to these other people. <clears throat> Practice. Shut the TV off for a couple minutes a day. Talk to a woman. <laughs> Find out how that works. It's it's really good. Okay, sorry, I'm getting off task here. Here's one for the married couples. Uh, this person asks, why is there a tendency to show more physical affection before marriage than afterwards? And is this how it should be? You guys, have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I'm not going to touch this one. We can start I, with Brad too. Are you ready to go, Brad? Go ahead. I mean, I'll start. I don't. I don't. But I, I don't know. The question's kind of interesting because um, the tendency. So someone's picked that up from watching married couples. Is that what I'm? See that that's kind of what I'm saying. So it's 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 interesting. There there is an assumption there because I think in reality, um, I don't know. It's it's pretty neat. I think. I think. Um, as newlyweds, right? I think some of that still comes from uh, infatuation, right? You're still somewhat in that stage, right? Um, But then as you are serving the Lord, you're growing in Christ, you're learning about one another's relationship with God. I I think that that actually, uh, the physical affection stays there, right? But maybe it, I'm not doing a very good job here, but maybe it grows for more of the right reasons, right? For example, when I met my wife, wow, she's hot, right? She loves the Lord, right? And, and, and I still think she's, I still, I still think that, but as time goes on, I'm more blown away by her consistent love for Christ, right? And I think uh, my reasons for um, desiring affection, either um, being affectionate myself or liking affection from her, um, the root of that is now coming from our relationship with the Lord rather than the oohs and ahs, right? So that makes sense at all? All right. Do you want to add anything to that, Brad or Cindy? I think it's easy for us to let society kind of dictate our thinking about what's, uh, what's what the physical side of uh, relationships are like, in particular physical intimacy. And, and we let our our society kind of co-opt the scriptural perspective. And we have a, a God that desires an intimate relationship with us. And he is the one that created physical intimacy. And it's his idea. It's not ours. He created the institution of marriage. It's, it's his plan, his idea, his tool that he uses to teach us about the relationship within the Godhead, uh, what unity is like in that sense, and the relationship between Christ and the church, 
and and it's all his it's all about him and the physical side physical intimacy is is just an extension of that teaching of what uh, what oneness is like and what it can be like and so I think after marriage, it's supposed to be a private thing. It's supposed to be a very personal thing. It's supposed to be uh, the epitome of vulnerability in relationships that we have uh, on earth. But it's still his. It's still his design. It's still his deal. So uh, it, it may not uh, appear among Christian couples that uh, uh, that 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 physical affection and, and touching is, and things are still there, but it's supposed to be a private thing, an intimate thing, uh, the epitome of vulnerability. So, anyway. Tanner, I just wanted to ask you a pastor's perspective on this next one, and that is perspective on pornography, what, what the effect is on the body. You know, you and Andy obviously have these conversations with guys and gals that struggle with that. Like, just give us your perspective as a as a pastor, you know, caring for these people, what your thoughts are on that and how they should deal with it. Yeah. Let me think about how to be comprehensive, but concise. Um, God is so very clear about sexual immorality and impurity and adultery and those kinds of things. And he is so forward and so, uh, honest and so clear for a reason <clears throat> because he created and i'm not telling you anything new sexual intimacy inside of marriage is a tremendous tremendous thing a thing of which we don't know really anything about yet um but things like pornography corrupt that and uh they would corrupt it inside of a dating relationship or even before a dating relationship and so I think at its base level, it grieves our heart very deeply when Andy and I um, come across those things. And we desire to walk with and to challenge and to encourage and to pray for folks struggling with those things. It's a very real and very blatant and very bold thing. It's in media, it's in uh, everywhere, uh, but it's destructive and um, I think many of us can attest to that. And so uh, guard yourselves, guard your eyes, your minds, your hearts, and take necessary measures. Christ is quite clear that we need to be radical with those sorts of things, very radical, and uh, to guard our minds and our hearts and our eyes about those kinds of things. And I think we could go on and on, but um, Andy's heart and my heart <clears throat> and others here uh, grieve that that is such a prevalent thing and yet we know it's a very real thing and a very real temptation and so it's something we believe that's very important to walk in the light about rather than to lock yourself away and to try and deal with it privately part of the reason we're here tonight is to deal with these kinds of things in the light and so if you're struggling with that if you're dealing with that and uh if I were to be honest in a group this size, there's a very real possibility that many of you are struggling with that. Bring that into the light with someone who uh, you can trust and not just someone who uh, is necessarily your peer or your best buddy and let them pray for you and counsel you and love you and, and walk with you through that. 
So I, I hate to blabber on, but yeah, very real thing. Not, and I want to be careful, not just among men at all, but a very real thing um, among women too. In fact, I'd love to hear one of the women comment on that. Beth or Rebecca, and that tends to be a question that we ask guys, hey, how do you handle purity in your thoughts and the things you see around? But from your perspective as a gal, is that something that gals struggle talking about, even though the struggle is real? Have you found that to be the case, or is it something that gals are willing to deal with easily? What's your thoughts there? I, th I think it's kind of probably similar in the fact that Obviously, as believers, we all know that that is sin in our hearts, and most of us struggle in that area. And so I think it's a good, it's a good opportunity. It's a good, let's see, how should I say this? Um, it's a good reason to build deep relationships. Like I know in some of the gals that I have been friends with, even gals that I've mentored over the years, um, it has come up. You know, as you build that relationship, it's not something that you meet somebody and you're like, oh, hey, by the way, I struggle with sexual thoughts. You know, it's just, you don't just say that to anyone, which is probably a good thing for a lot of reasons, but it's also a good thing, like you guys are talking about, with someone you trust. You know, with someone you look up to, someone that can hold you accountable. Um, it's definitely something we need to fight. We have to fight so many thoughts. And, and that's a big one for a lot of us. And I know it doesn't, it doesn't end when we get married and people like to think that. And I'm, I know it's not true. We need to take those thoughts captive right now. Like as Tom was saying earlier, we're, we're training our minds through all of these things. And so though it's not something we bring up all the time, I think it is something that as we have deeper relationships and good friendships with those of the same sex, obviously, um, it is something we need to be vulnerable about. We need to be willing to talk about it. And I think, you know, as I've had some of those relationships, I've had some of those conversations with gals, and that's really good. So it is something we all struggle with. That's great. I've heard, I'm sure you've heard a lot of teaching on that topic. And I guess the thing that encourages me is I know a lot of you guys are honest about the struggle. And so the greatest uh, captive we become is when we're stuck with our own pride and we're more afraid of getting caught, you know, than what that sin can do to us. And so we just don't tell anybody. Or if I'm speaking as a guy, this is what we guys do. We tell the guy that we know isn't going to push us real hard on it. The buddy that's struggling too, rather than the buddy that's maybe 10 yards out ahead and can actually pull us up out of it. It might be good to get, you know, I appreciated some of my roommates who actually didn't struggle to the degree that I did. I had filled my mind with enough garbage by the time I was 18 to wallpaper that wall. And it's all stuff I would like to just flush out of my mind. But I was really refreshed to have some roommates who hadn't really had that kind of exposure to it and had a much more pure example um, that they really found the stuff repulsive. That was good to be around those guys. So I was encouraged by buddies who would come alongside and pray with me. But I was also encouraged to find out that there was guys who were consistent and who were mature and they were moving on. So, so don't cherry pick people that are going to you know, kind of congratulate you and say, oh man, I do too. Now let's not go anywhere with this. You know, get it out there. Be honest. Uh, and, and really dig in. I think that's the difference between simply confessing versus repenting. 
you can confess this problem five days a week, but that's not necessarily repenting and taking action that's going to move you away from it. So that's how I'd pray for you guys in that. We're going to wrap it up. I know Tanner's got some things to say. What this is really intended to be, we probably only covered half of your questions. You guys had some really great ones here. This should just whet your appetite for what the body of Christ can do um, up here. All these people I'm sure would love to talk with you guys. Uh, there's uh, obviously Andy down here and others who are your peers. Uh, continue these conversations. If there's one of your questions that didn't get asked, you could probably ask them still tonight or really continue this conversation each day that we get to know each other, spend time. You could probably even invite some of these guys over for dinner if you wanted. You know, That would be good. My wife and I still do this. We have people we look up to over for dinner regularly and we work through things in our relationship and our finances and just about every aspect so i hope you take advantage of these guys tanner do you want to put a wrap on this thing yeah lonnie's right this was not comprehensive and there's still things bouncing around in your thoughts and your minds that you'd like to ask and praise god uh hopefully this was a catalyst and we didn't just do this following andy's talk on the bride the body and the building for no reason we didn't just do it uh, to do it. We did it because these kinds of things are healthy to talk about inside the local body. And Lonnie's very right. You're not seeing a group of uh, perfect people who have it figured out. In fact, Brooke and I are about to figure out uh, many things that we didn't have figured out. But you are looking at a group by God's grace who I think is, uh, Pastor Brian often says, not perfect, but uh, in the good direction. And so I can I can't speak as much for us, but talk to some of these other couples and and speak to couples in the church and find couples in the church. Something Brooke and I did uh, when we took a next step in our relationship was we just made a list of couples we really respected and said, okay, now we need to pick a time to spend with these couples and to ask them good questions about these kinds of things. Um, that's what the body is for. God has given us legs and arms and fingers to help us. And uh, we serve a gracious God, and so he's given us resources and people and books and sermons and all those things. There's much more that could be said, but we want to respect you guys' time, and we're glad you're here tonight. Uh, like Lonnie said, if you're really excited about things and uh, things are going really well in this area for you, praise God, uh, rejoice. And if you're uh, here tonight and struggling and discouraged and tired and... Uh, have a history of bad experiences, um, let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. We serve a kind master, a good Lord, and we want tonight to be an encouragement and an exhortation to you all. Just a few last, uh, or a few reminders. Tomorrow, Brad and Cindy will be uh, needing help on their barn. Talk to them afterwards if you want to talk about that. Like I said, they'll be happy to reimburse you for your hard work. And then uh, 9 a.m. Sunday morning in room 301, uh, you have a chance to to listen to some people who've worked with uh, uh, Muslims for many, many years and love them deeply and want to help you understand how you can uh, talk to them about the Lord. And then it seems like there's one more thing. Andy, can you remember anything I'm missing? Talk to Tiff if you want to help with Vision Beyond Borders during the week. That might be all. That's all. Okay. You guys are free to stick around as long as you want. We hope that you will. We hope that you'll not just leave here and empty this all out, but think about it, uh, pray about it, and dwell on it. So let's close together in prayer. (laughs) 
Lord, you've been so kind to us. You've been very good to us tonight. There's uh, men and women who have been doing this for far longer than myself or than many of us. And so thank you, Lord. We praise you and and worship you for giving us the body and giving us uh, men and women like uh, Brad and Cindy and Aaron and Jen and Lonnie and Steph and Andy and Jennifer and folks who are growing in love and care and tenderness and sacrifice. Pray that they'd be a great example to those of us who want to grow and to learn and to, uh, to not just get by in this area, but to abound more and more. Lord, help us to take these things seriously. I pray for any in the room tonight who would struggle or who are struggling uh, with any sexual sin, be it pornography or homosexuality or any of those things, Lord, that you'd give them great grace and uh, help them to walk in the light. We love you, Lord. Help us to, to grow in Christ-likeness together. We pray this because of your Son. Amen.